0: I'm glad you are joining me today as I am having a very nice interview with a woman distiller. In fact, the sole woman distiller in Argentina. She has created this production project with her husband and it quickly became a family business as their son has been involved from his early years and now studies to take over. Please let's welcome Lila Serenelli from La Alazana Whiskey based in Patagonia. Explore a little bit together what it means to be doing single malt whiskey in Patagonia and having a distillery over there but first I think as an introduction I would like you Leela, to talk to us a little bit about how you came to love whiskey so much where does that
1: come from okay I think when people ask me that at the beginning I, I used to say I didn't know but then I, I started thinking about it and I really I realized that I started loving single malt whiskey when I was a a young teenager. My dad used to travel a lot because of work, on account of his work. He loves single malt, and so he used to bring back fancy bottles of single malt with fancy cases and and tins, and I used to love collecting them. So every bottle of whiskey he finished meant to say that I could keep the case and take it and put it on my shelf in my room. So I would always uh, hurry and pour him his whiskey after, after dinner. And I think that this is what started connecting me with all the aromas and the moment, that relaxing moment of being in touch with all the, all this, all this, all this, um, well, the single malt in general. Yeah.
0: So you must have had a pretty extensive collection on your shelf.
1: <laughs> yes, I did.
0: I did. Yes. And as well as serving your dad his whiskey, did you get to try some?
1: Well, actually, at that point, my dad used to like enjoy his his whiskey with ice. And so when he was done with his whiskey, uh, the ice was all mine. I was able to, and I used to really suck on the whiskey and the, on the ice. And I think my first connections with whiskey were was that, yes.
0: Oh, great. How did this love for whiskey, like this connection that you j- just talked about, uh, how did this evolve over the years to bringing you up to start thinking making a business out of whiskey?
1: Actually when I met my husband more over 20 years ago we realized we shared many passions and one of the passions we shared was was single malt whiskey. Our main life project was to live in the country live live on the farm and so that was when we also projected and we looked all over Patagonia seeking out a a place to live and 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 settle and start a, a production project and well on the on the list uh, could have been single malt, but then when it went turning out and it, it actually turned into single malt, we dove in head first and um, we're, we couldn't be happier.
0: Oh, that's great to hear. That's really, really good to hear because this is a business, as most people maybe do know, but certain people don't know, that requires a lot of sacrifice, I think, from uh, the people that decide to do it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you were the first ones to establish a whiskey distillery in Argentina, right?
1: Yes, we are. We're the first. We're pioneers in, in whiskey. And what you say is true. Although it takes a lot of sacrifice, we like it and we're passionate about it. So it's important to us to be doing something that we love. I mean, it's, it's our, our everyday life is just getting up in the morning and starting up the, the burners and um, just start making whiskey. That's, that's our everyday life. But a lot of people don't know or don't understand that they have to. one has to give up many other things if you really want to dedicate your life to make single malt.
0: I think it truly really is a, a way of life right?
1: Exactly yes it's a way of
0: life. And so I know that in the beginning you had this idea I think and you had to do some research I imagine about the equipment that you wanted to use and how you were going to be able to get to the uh, the result that you were having in your head like what kind of whiskey do I want to be making and uh, it has a lot to do with the equipment that you are using. So, did you have to do a lot of research for that? And from the beginning, did you have a pretty clear idea of what you wanted the spirit to
1: taste like? Well, what we knew is we liked Scottish-style single malt. So, what we did was go to Scotland. Some of the whiskies that we liked were the most, the ones that we liked most, were very light, light distillates, very light whiskies. So, we we built our stills based upon those those whiskies. Our stills have very tall necks and long line arms. So that gives us a lot of contact with the copper and a lot of uh, reflux, which gives us a very light spirit and uh, well, very fruity, very, very floral and very light.
0: Yeah. And I must say, I have the uh, opportunity to taste two of them. One, which is a classic one and the other one, the Haid Merlisse, which is the peated one. I found that, like, for five-year-old whiskeys, they're amazing. If they would have been part of a blind tasting, surely I would have thought, like, they're about 10 to 12 years old and not just five.
1: Hey, wow, well, yeah, well, that's, that's very... We were very happy with the reviews uh, we got from, from you and your whiskey club from Quebec because we know that you're very experienced whiskey tasters and uh, that, that's, we, that made us very happy because we we realize that i mean there are things that you that make you see that we're doing things right we yeah. analyze all of our of our spirit and our whiskeys also our mature spirit mostly our spirit but also sometimes a mature spirit if we want to know how our a special set of casks is coming along but we do all our analysis in uh in laboratories in scotland and oh. uh, well um so they're, they're giving us a, a feedback on chemical analysis and a sensory analysis on our whisky. But okay. it's not the same because the final consumer is, is the person who, who tries the whisky and says, hmm, I like it, I'd buy it again, I'd try it again. And so that's one of the most re- rewarding things for us is when people come back and buy it again. Ah, of course.
0: And would you take us through the range of whiskies that you are making at the moment? Please.
1: So mainly we have our main, two main uh, flagship whiskies: are our classic and our Heidmerlis. Merlis. So our classic whisky is just a, is a standard malt that's matured in ex bourbon and ex sherry casks. And then our high Merlis is a peated whisky. The, this whisky we were maturing it in ex bourbon casks, and also we have a chardonnay cask finish, which is the one that you tried in Quebec. And then we have a special, a few other special uh, whiskies. We have a, um, uh, a cognac cask and uh, we have a, an organic whiskey. And then we have our 100% Patagonia barley, barley grown in Patagonia and malted by us. Yeah. So 100% farm to bottle. Farm to bottle.
0: Great. Yes. And how long have you been adopting that process? Because I knew that you use you previously were using malted barley that came from Scotland.
1: Yes, when we first started distilling, we found that all the the barley that's grown in Argentina is is either for for beer or mm-hmm. for feed, and so the whiskey varieties were unavailable. So we started importing our our malt directly from United Kingdom, and um, then we were able to, to get a hold of a couple of seed seed varieties for whiskey. And that's when we started uh, seeding them ourselves and, and growing them ourselves. So we're hoping to be able to use 100% Patagonia barley for as of maybe next year. We haven't covered it totally because uh, right now our, our bottleneck is, is our malting. Our malting equipment is still small but we're scaling it up right at the moment. As we speak, we're, we're scaling it up and hopefully by the end of the year, we'll already be be able to grow 100% of our own barley and malt all of it.
0: Wow, this is exciting.
1: I hope it goes according yes. to the plan. It, well, it's it was it was something very challenging. Everything has to be taken care of from the moment you plant the seed to everything you do and, and especially where we have an excellent climate here, so we're, we're very happy with that. And well, then... The final test to pass is, is the laboratory test. So we're very happy because we did well. Our spirit is just as good as any Scottish spirit with, with any Scottish grown and, and, and malted barley. So we're very happy about that, yes.
0: And that's very good to hear. And I'd like to go back on one thing that you just said. You talked about climate. Surely the climate must affect how the spirit is going to mature. So uh, would you talk to us a little bit about that, please?
1: Of course. Well, we're convinced that single malt is, is an expression of the place where, where it's made. So the climate and the water that that we we have in the place where we are is what's going to give the whiskey its character. And here we have excellent water and excellent climate for maturing single malt, which is actually why we chose to be where we are. And uh, our, our climate is very good because... We don't have extremes in the summer and in the winter, so we don't have very hot summers or very extremely cold winters. And this is what gives us a very smooth maturation. The cask delivers just enough wood that's imbalanced with the maturation. It's not, not something that's over overwhelming. Of yeah. course,
0: let's say here in Quebec, we can have extreme weather in the winter and uh, in the summer also. And so the, it influences a lot the extraction from the wood, yeah
1: yeah exactly you may lose that balance between the woodiness and the maturation
0: yeah you have to be very careful when you're monitoring the maturation of the, the spirit that's yes. in the tasks this is very very interesting and you are distilling whiskey namely single malt are you distilling anything else
1: at the moment no and our project is mainly single malt we're focusing on single malt because when we first started we hadn't realized it was going to take up so much of our time, especially now that we took on the challenge of growing our own, our own barley and malting it. That's even, even more. So, yes.
0: I think it's a really great challenge to take on.
1: I mean, it's very satisfying because it's, it's like, it's like a baby and a child it's growing. You see it born in the fields and you see it it growing and you, you accompany it as it grows. And then after harvest and, all the aromas and all the malting and when you see it germinating the malting and then when you when you kill it all those aromas are going into the distillery and making are the base for an excellent spirit so controlling all those processes is difficult but once you do it and you do it right it's very very rewarding
0: wow and as we previously said, La Alasana whiskey is a pioneer in distilling whiskey in Patagonia. Have other people started to follow in your footsteps?
1: Well, it's what we were talking about before. It, it's, it's a lot of time and a lot. I mean, the investment is very big. The return on investment is very long ahead. And there's a lot of weight in between and a lot of work in between and a lot of continuous investment in between. So it's very difficult. And there are not very many people that are willing to give up living in in a comfort zone or living in uh, having a a comfortable lifestyle, giving that up and dedicating it solely 100% to making single malt whiskey. So we have inspired a lot of people, but not enough yet. Hopefully um, soon people, I mean, there are some distilleries that are starting as hobbyists or a, a very small scale production, not commercially. But hopefully, soon, there will be other big distilleries that will be producing single malt commercially.
0: Yeah, so people are starting maybe to experiment a little bit, and if they get to results that they like, uh, we can expect that maybe they go on the market with it, right?
1: Yeah, it's difficult. It's what, what we were saying. I mean, they have to be willing to to give up their lifestyle and dedicate it to, to making single malt. It's not easy.
0: Or <laughs> another way to be putting it would be like, they're not actually giving up something, but they're adopting a a new way of life that's gonna bring them somewhere else. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, in terms of uh, experiment, like the thing you said just brought me to think about something else, because you said like people are starting maybe to distill as a hobby. And uh, so they're doing some kinds of experiments uh, because, like, they're trying themselves at distilling. But for you, already doing things commercially, are you still experimenting with blending or with many, many different casks? Are you trying to bring something something else, something new, something out of the ordinary, I would say?
1: Well, I think some of the things, like the, like you tried our Chardonnay cask finish, this was a... If you wanted to call it an experiment you could okay. but the truth is that we can't afford to experiment too much because mm. experiments are very long term and very costly yeah so yeah uh, a He's barrel is very gorgeous. it's worth a lot of money and it's not not worth experimenting too much because it has a long wait. so we're we're going always along the safe side and taking very good care to to do exactly all the steps in the process very very controlled and well this is one of the reasons why also we decided that somebody in the family had to do a, a career in in distilling so i was voted <laughs> oh. I, I, I won the i won the the votation and i got to do the the postgraduate and and a master's in in brewing and distilling in harriet Watt university in in scotland in edinburgh wow so that was that was a very, very nice experience. And that also gave us a lot of technical as, uh, backup and, and helped us a lot in the technical aspects and plus all the connections that we knew, connections that we were able to make in Scotland and access to, to laboratories and things.
0: So and did then, you like part of distance learning from home and then part uh, experimenting in the lab at the university
1: in Scotland? Yes, yes, they, I, was, I was able to do the distance learning the distance learning program is uh, parallel to the campus program and then yes you do the practical part in in the lab and you at the university yes
0: that must have been a great experience so Uh, it was master distiller in the family (laughs) (laughs) yes yes i got i i have the degree so (laughs) yes (laughs) and well this brings me to another good question we just talked about the training that you underwent going to scotland and doing it a little bit also uh, with distance learning and uh, so you're you're one of the main characters in your business what does it mean for you to be a woman in this industry and how like how do you feel about that and how do you live the state that it puts you into. You're the only woman distilling in Argentina right now also.
1: Yeah, well that, I, that's a good question because some people ask me that and the truth is, I, I'll be totally honest with you. I grew up in a in a big family. We were We were four siblings, two girls, two boys, and I was born in Patagonia. I grew up in Patagonia, plenty of space to run around, play in, and we ran all over the place and there was actually no difference in my family whether you were a boy or a girl. you still had to do the same chores you had to do the same i mean if, if you did something bad, it was the same punishment i mean everything was the same okay. so I think that um, my family I was very lucky because um, they were not sexist i mean there wasn't any limit as, it, as any limitations to what you could do, whether you were a boy or a girl you you could do anything you liked and there, it wasn't. I mean, growing up was basically like that. So, I actually it never really crossed my head, and so well, uh, I think that I never really wondered about it. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't cross my mind actually. Yeah, it, it was just very natural, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. So yeah, people ask me that, and I just think I realize also that now, now that I'm in the industry and everything, I realize that there are many women in the industry so i don't feel alone either
0: okay okay yeah and i i think that uh in general people tend to think that there are a lot less women in the industry that there actually are you know
1: Mm, yeah and it's it's funny because i mean sensory wise women are much more i mean physiologically women are much more capable of perceiving aromas than men yeah yeah so actually there should be more women in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'd like that very
0: much, but no doubt that it's going to continue to evolve in the right way uh, in the coming years.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's just a question of cap- capabilities. I mean, whether you're a, a man or a woman, you can be capable of some things and capable of, other, of others. But I think it's just for me. It's mainly because of the way I grew up that I never. It never crossed my mind whether you were a boy or a girl didn't didn't make a difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now that you have this family business that you run, I imagine that uh, you and your husband complete yourselves, and with your son also.
1: Yes. Yes. You you actually met our son on the, our tasting that we did. Yeah. We're very happy because we actually we complement each other very well. And um, my husband is a very he's very hands on. And I mean, I'm all, I love theory and I love reading and I love, I love learning, but he's those kinds of people that can grasp an idea and just bring it down to earth and make it happen. So it's the perfect combination. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah. So he brings the, uh, the idea down and you work together to make it happen. And where does your son fit into that picture?
1: well he's he's everywhere yeah he really enjoys it and he's very passionate about it and he's actually he's actually studying now doing a, a career in distilling so when we first started with a distillery he was just a baby and we didn't pressure him into following our steps but little by little we realized that he grew up doing this and it's just part of his life yeah and uh, yeah and so we realized that what we're doing is the decisions that we're making today a lot of the things that we're doing today we most probably won't even live to see the results and we're very happy that he will and he's helping us make those decisions also so we know that uh, our distillery is in good hands which is it's very important for us because our day-to-day chores and our day-to-day work is worth twice as much as it would be if we didn't have that
0: yeah of course of course and i think for you, just seeing all the energy and the resources that you've put into this business, seeing the possibility of it being carried like uh further down that path and uh like surviving you through him and still continuing to evolve, this perspective must just be the nicest one.
1: Yes, it is. It's I mean one visits distilleries in Scotland that are hundreds of years old. And if, if you're doing something like this, you know that it's a, it's a process that's, that's going to take more than hundreds of years. So it's very nice to, to see that it's going to continue.
0: Oh, that's great. There was one thing that I wanted to ask you about the distillation, and uh, I didn't up to now. When you do your distillation, do you double distill or triple distill or something in between? <laughs>
1: No, it's just a double distiller. Our, our, yeah. our process is very similar to the, to the classic Scottish-style whiskey, single malt style, okay. made in Patagonia, of course. Of and course. We have, so we have a, wa- a wash still, which is for our first distillation, and then we do a second distillation in our spirit still. Are both
0: stills the same in terms no,
1: of no, the, the spirit still has, has a, like the, the onion-shaped ball yeah. And uh, that's what gives it more contact with, with the spirit and it gives us a very light distillate. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, Lila, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure having you.
1: It was a, it was a pleasure for being on your, on your program and I'm very, very happy that you, you enjoyed our whiskey so much.
0: Yeah. And I very hope we can get more over uh, to the province of Quebec and that uh, more people can get to enjoy it as well.
1: Oh, we're working on it. We're working on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's very nice to hear. And when we can begin to travel again, like in the right conditions, I surely hope that I can uh, maybe make a visit.
1: Yes, Patagonia is an incredible place to visit. And we weren't expecting it, but our distillery has become a very big attraction. Not only in our country, but also for visitors worldwide. That are whiskey lovers and, and Patagonia lovers. So they they were very surprised to find a whiskey distillery in Patagonia, and so our place has become a tourist attraction. Right. And um, so yeah, right now we're working on a, our third war- warehouse, where we're making it we're making it bigger than the the first two. Okay. And we'll have a special place for tasting the whiskey straight out straight from the casks. And so oh, well, this it's is good. It'll be like a, a warehouse experience. The and visitors
0: surely so, are going to like that there's nothing like this experience of walking into a warehouse you get the smell of the alcohol and the wood and yes. um, i don't know it's kind of a mystical experience you know
1: it's beautiful. it really is it's beautiful and tasting the whiskey straight from the cask is is really it's 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 an experience that you have to live it it's it's just indescribable
0: yeah it's just like a the chance that you never thought that you would get and then Wow, you're on the spot and you're doing it, you know. And when you're re- realizing it, it's like, whoa, okay, I'm actually like getting the chance to taste a whiskey that's like maybe four or five. Uh, and you know, once you've built up a lot of stock, sometimes the 18, 20 years old, and like yes, and you yes, stay, well, like,
1: that's a privilege yeah well that's what we're working on i mean we're our 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 editions are very very limited we're not bottling very much of our whiskey at the moment we're bottling very very small editions okay which are still young for us and we're we're looking to uh, actually when you asked me if we were innovating or doing any experiments actually our, our biggest i mean for us our biggest challenge is more than innovation our biggest challenge is to have a mature standard that's no less than 10 years as time goes by, we're bottling, we're bottling small additions to let the rest of the whiskey mature. And okay. so this uh, next year, we'll be launching our 10-year-old. Oh, our first so 10-year-old
0: like this yes. will be a super great opportunity to celebrate.
1: Yes, yes. So,
0: so um, 10 years and, uh, and, and more of working very, very
1: hard. Exactly. Yes, yes.
0: Wow. Okay, I I wasn't expecting that. I, I I was sure like you were approaching the ten years old, but I didn't expect that it would be so soon. Oh, mm-hmm. good job. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy okay. to hear about that. Yes. Thank you. Well, what I want to say is all the best for what's coming for you. Seriously, I really wish we get to meet in person at some point.
1: <laughs> I think we. I think we will at some point. Yes, I think we. Will. <laughs> hopefully hopefully yeah
0: thank you so much for uh sharing all of this with us and with the listeners uh, lila it's been a true pleasure really
1: same for me same for me here and uh, well all our best wishes from here from patagonia and to all the listeners also in in quebec and thank Canada. you let's keep in touch oh well, yeah sure we will bye-bye bye-bye
0: As mentioned previously in the interview, I was lucky enough to get to try both whiskies that currently make up the range of La Alasana whisky. I thought it would be nice to give you an overview of these whiskies by sharing my tasting notes. The first one is La Alasana Classic Single Malt Whisky, bottled at five years of age and 46% of alcohol by volume, made with barley from Baird's Malt in the UK. The malt is not peated. 75% of the spirit in this vatted blend is aged in first fill bourbon casks from Kentucky, along with 25% that's matured in first fill sherry casks. It is very light in color, slight straw shade. And when you swirl it around in your glass, long and narrow legs form that take quite some time to slide down the sides of the glass an indication that the mouthfeel should be smooth and silky. Stone fruit aromas beautifully open the way to whipped cream and custard. Then, walnut quickly follows with hints of vanilla, coconut, and very elegant white lily. Soft malted barley paves the way to vanilla, slight notes of white pepper and ginger, followed in due course by citrus fruit and caramel on the palate. The finish is warm, of medium length, on brown sugar and toasted oak. The second whiskey is La Alasana Merlis Single Malt Whiskey. Haidmerlis actually designates Turo Barley, a species of barley in Welsh language. You see, Leela, the distiller, has Welsh heritage. 2 barley is known to have less protein and more starch to convert into sugar as the malting process occurs, giving higher potential alcohol content. So brewers and distillers often prefer this one over the others. Hay release is 46% of alcohol by volume and has been aged for five years in first filled bourbon casks and one year in casks that previously held Chardonnay wine. The whiskey is shimmering golden and has few short legs sliding down the sides of the glass, so I expect its mouth feel to be a little bit more watery than for the classic one, which it actually was. The nose breeds in pineapple and mango, while letting off a slight earthy peated scent that mutates into burnt rubber, which fades quickly. Then marzipan blooms out of the glass with a whiff of vanilla and again, a strong white lily aroma. The palate proves to be quite light with subtle vanilla coming out at first, then light campfire smoke, toasted oak, walnut, and juicy tropical fruit. Here again, a medium finish, but on smoky vanilla this time. The balance in this whiskey is surprising for its young age. I find this product very promising. It's funny to think that even a year ago, I did not know a thing about whiskey being produced in South America. And now, having had the chance to learn about it and even taste it, I realize that so much is within reach for all of us if only we want it, make time and space for it. All this talk about Argentinian whiskey made me dream about Argentinian landscapes, mountains. And reflect upon what Leela said. I think a uh, haiku is in order. The whiskey is flowing at the top of the mountain, for whom sees the path. Thank you for joining Leela and myself today. If you liked what you heard, I'd be grateful for you to subscribe to the podcast, as it would help other listeners find it. Oh, and don't forget to treat yourself to your favorite drum today. Until next time, cheers!